Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Tabletop for Two. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, we are back after a light week of gaming for us because real life interfered, <sighs> as it is one to do every now and then. But we still have a couple new games that we've played um, that we want to talk about. We're also going to, later in the show, look at our top 10 uh, favorite two-player-only games, so games that are specifically designed for two, um, our 10 favorites and ones that we would recommend checking out. So before we get started, um, let's just talk about where you can find us online. Uh, you can check us out, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you search for Tabletop for Two in any of those, you'll be able to track us down. Um, we're also on a variety of different services. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, whichever one you, uh, whichever one you use, it's great. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. That way, you'll get all the new episodes that we put out every week. And also, a reminder: we are affiliated with the Nerdpocalypse Studio Network. Uh, make sure you check out all the great shows we have on there, including the Nerdpocalypse. Uh, dense pixels, Mouth black and black, mouthful of toast. Yep, and you can become a premium member. Um, it's only five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year to get access to a, another range of exclusive shows uh, only for our premium members. So the first thing we checked out this week was uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which we've been meaning to get to the table for a while. It seems like whenever the opportunity's presented itself, um, Emily has not been in the Mental right. I've not capacity. been in the right mindset for it. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't help when I kept suggesting it like 10 o'clock at night when you were really, <laughs> when you were tired after a long day. Yeah, that doesn't help. So we finally got a chance to play it. Um, didn't do too bad for our first go. We didn't do too bad. So so Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is, it is a game, but it's, in some ways, it's more of a mental exercise because it's designed to be like a solitaire experience that you can also play cooperatively you couldn't have done it without me <laughs> no probably not because uh because i was on the right track the whole time you're like no 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 so mm -hmm. what it is is that every, there's 10 different cases in the game and the game also comes with like a map of london that has different locations and it has uh newspapers yeah, where newspapers you can look and you read can articles look. to get more information and yep and it, basically, you're presented with well, a... Doesn't it have like a phone directory, too? It does. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you know where people are located, so right. you know where to visit. So basically, in each case, there's a mystery that needs solved. Um, and you are an associate of Sherlock Holmes, and you're competing with him to solve it with as few leads as you possible. You got to do it better than he did it. Or try to, at least. <laughs> so, But basically, what happens is, is every turn, quote-unquote, you decide to follow a lead in the case whether that's visiting somebody or you know going to a specific location like the scene of the crime or it you know, really have, helps to have a pen and paper with you to keep oh, track I think it's of mandatory everything. isn't it <laughs> i don't think you could do all this mentally well some people might be able to mm, not me <laughs> that's that's why i need you because i wouldn't be able to read my own handwriting if i was if i was uh -huh. taking notes so Again, I'm a secretary in real life, and then I'm your personal secretary at home. Is that how it works? There you go. So, but only for case solving. <laughs> but um, basically, one. So you go through, you know, investigating the case essentially, and uh, once you think you've figured out the the mystery, there's four questions. Actually, there's eight questions that you have to answer. Four of them are like the base questions, and then there's four like bonus questions. Um, and if you answer those correctly, you get a certain number of points. And then you take the number of leads that you did um, and you find out how Holmes arrived at the answer and how many leads it took him to get there. So however many more leads you used, um, you suffer like bonus points, sorry, penalties for points wise. And then you compare your score to Holmes and Holmes always scores 100 points and uh, just see how you did basically. So it's not again, you're not really competing against anything but the game itself. But it's a fun mental exercise. Um Little limit. I mean, it's gonna be limited on plays because there's only ten cases that are in the box. Yeah, but um, don't they get progressively harder as you go? Oh along? yeah, absolutely. So they certainly do. Um, I mean, it just and then also what also gets hard is that like the newspapers that are in the game. There's ten different newspapers, and each case uses not only the newspaper from that day but also any newspaper previous. So by the time you get to the tenth case, you have all ten newspapers potentially that. You might have to use to find clues and things like that. But it was fun. Like I said, I liked it. I said it was a nice little, and it was one of those ones that I finally had a game where I could just sit on the couch and play. Yeah, I mean, that's, I didn't have to get up <laughs> that was the and benefit go to the of that table. too. I could sit on the couch and be comfortable, snuggled in my blanket, and play this game. 
It was wonderful. Um, we finally, after weeks of trying, got brass to the table. Mm-hmm. So it's um, base. It's it's another Martin Wallace game. We talked about how we've been getting a couple of those lately. Um, brass is a game where you're basically building up a network of like industrial areas, like cotton mills and factories. It takes place in um, Industrial Revolution England, basically. Yeah, it was actually it was really a lot of fun. Uh, I just. I don't even know right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, so basically you're, you're like I said, you're building up a network of different types of facilities and there's coal mines, which several buildings need to be there's when you build I- them. Oh, yeah. And then there's uh, ironworks, which you need ironworks to uh, make your buildings better and worth more mm-hmm. points and money. You have in cotton mills, you're trying to ship cotton basically out. So essentially what happens is every building you build um, is a tile that you lay out on the board that can be flipped over and, that's what you're trying to do because that to only the buildings that you flipped are going to be what scores you points in every game. So cotton mills, you want to be able to ship cotton out. That's what flips those over ports. You want to have cotton shipped through your ports to get them flipped coal mines. You want to use all the coal that the mine produces, et cetera, and so on and so forth. Um, it's neat because like, you know, like Wallace games are one to do, like you're presented with all the information, like, you know, all the cards that are in the deck because but you're very limited with what you actually can do. Yeah. And like you get, there's these different cards and some of the cards correspond to the different types of buildings and some of them correspond to locations on the board. But every time you do an action, you have to discard one of the cards out of your hand. And the only action that uses the cards for their specific purpose is the building action. So anytime you develop your industries or anytime you ship cotton, you're still discarding a card. So you have to make sure that you're not getting rid of something that might be useful for you when it comes to building later on. Uh, Money is also quite limited in the game. So you have to manage your your finances effectively. And you actually you have to manage the board, too, because there are two separate phases. There's a canal phase and then there's a railroad phase in the canal phase. You're a bit more limited than in the railroad phase because there's not that many canals on the board mm. where you can actually build. Yep. And so and and then also at the end of the canal phase, like basically all the canals that you'd built previously get wiped because then we're moving on to building railroads and stuff like that to transport things. But that's when the game really opens up and gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was an excellent game. Um we had to use so the game doesn't play two players right out of the box. Um there's a pretty not it's not an official variant, but it's it might as well be because it's kind of widely accepted as the two player variant that a user on board Game Geek came up with. Um, and it works really well. Like I said, I didn't I didn't notice any discrepancies in the gameplay at all. I mean, yeah. I've never played it three or four players, so I can't say you know how different that would have felt. But it just limits the board a little bit more. Um, makes it so that if there's no coal or iron that can be supplied to you through the network on the board, that it makes it a little bit more pricey to get it. Basically. Um, but like I said, it was really enjoyable. Um, so we're two for two with Martin Wallace games. This and Mythotopia were both really good. So we might have to dive in his catalog a little bit more and see what else is out there. That, that means we, can we play. need more shelves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. So, um, another game that we played, this, this isn't a new game for us, but, uh, it's the first time playing since we got the expansion for it, uh, was Imperial Settlers. Um, and we I got love the, this game. well, cause it's very good. Um, <laughs> the new expansion came out for it, which is called, uh, why can't we be friends? It adds several new cards to the game, both regular cards and faction cards. Um, the mechanic that it added, that it adds in. So Imperial Settler, it's, it's a tableau building game. First of all, kind of like a civilization light where you're building different buildings that either will produce resources for you or give you or give you actions actions, yeah that you can do and you're trying to score victory points plus the buildings themselves will earn you victory points in the end of the game the thing that i'm that i really like about this game though is that it the resources that you produce you have to use them like it encourages you to use them because you have whatever you don't use at the end of the at the end of your turn each round um gets discarded with the exception of one type of resource each faction can store like I one think, resource. I think mine was gold, and I was hoarding all the gold. Mm-hmm. And like the barbarian faction that I was using, it's all you can you can save workers between rounds, basically. So, but other than that, everything else goes away. So it really does encourage you to use everything that you have um, in the best way possible. the uh, The expansion also adds what are called open production buildings, which are production buildings that um, 
your opponents can also use. But if they use it, then you base, basically they're giving you a worker, essentially, um, which adds a little bit later strategy. It didn't really play in too much to the uh, game that we played, I'd say. I'm, I'm more looking forward to the Atlanteans expansion, the new faction that's coming out for that game in a couple months. So, But very good. Like I said, it works great two players um yeah it's stuff it's one we've played a bunch of times for sure so it's definitely oh, yeah. it's definitely, definitely pretty awesome one. um we also uh even though it was a very light week we got lords of vegas to the table again finally we'd mm-hmm. only played it once and i kept telling you i wanted to play it again we finally got it back to the table mm-hmm. uh basically you have your board that has the vegas strip and you are build your you have a deck of cards and you draw cards and you get to claim a spot and you can build on it if you want. You don't have to. Well, you're building casinos basically. Well, yeah. In Vegas. So that's I this game it's been around for a while. Um it's very interesting to me how it plays because you get like you're getting money every turn basically. Um but it's you really the only way that you b- get points though is to build casinos and then when those casinos get drawn out of the deck basically you score points for them which is interesting because you know how many of each casino is in the deck so you have that perfect information so you know okay you know this one's becoming less lucrative this one's still okay and mm. yeah now this one i've i've heard the two-player game is not as strong as the other player games and to the point where some people flat out don't recommend the game with two um we've actually found it quite enjoyable with two yeah. players but then again, I mean, we play most things with two people, so well, we might have a more of a skewed view of things. Yeah, but we're we're pretty fair when it comes to judging that. Like, like you know, if we're there's some games like Euphoria is is a great example for me of a great game that we got rid of just because it wasn't as strong with two players but as when we other games it with that we four, had. It was awesome. Exactly. So I mean. I can see why Lords of Vegas would be better with four because basically with four players or with three or four players, you have more people on the board that you're competing with for spots and, and the, the ability to kind of take over a casino probably factors in a lot more with higher player counts. Um, but in a two player game, I feel like it's a little bit more, a little bit more tactical mm-hmm. maybe because um, like when you do steal a casino from your opponent then it's it's that much more important basically well i hated it because every time (laughs) i decided to you know take that chance and and spill over into the next thing the next card that you drew was the one that i just spilled into thanks a lot which which basically means i get to place a place a place in the casino for free so sure i said really cool game i the other thing that i really enjoy about this game is the way the scoring works so there's a typical score track like there is in most games like this but once you get further up the score track the numbers start jumping so like the first 10 points it goes 1 through 10 but then 10 through like third 10 through like 20 it goes in two point intervals so if you don't score at least two points in one shot you can't move on to the next Mm -hmm. space in the score track which basically what that does is incur it, it forces you to build bigger casinos and expand your casinos larger you can't just you know roll the bunch of tiny casinos on the board um like i said lord's vegas is really interesting i've heard the expansion for that game actually makes it too easy in some ways because you can start expanding your casinos vertically with the new with that expansion which just makes it easier to get larger casinos essentially as you go oh so you can actually get to the, like the 90 point thing that's it at the appara- end of the apparently board. it happens quite frequently <laughs> when you're <laughs> playing with the expansion so i can see how that would happen yep so uh, i don't know if i is that something we need um but yeah the base and game we've by played itself the game two times we don't need a damn expansion yet Ooh. well i know but uh like i said it's uh it's um it's Art pretty good my though. potty mouth yeah it's pretty good though it's uh so lords of vegas i would still recommend it with two players um recommend checking that out when you you know, if, if you're looking for like an area control game of sorts. So we're going to take a break here. Um, when we come back, we're going to do a new segment that's uh, we're gonna only going to do every now and then where we're taking a look at a few Kickstarter projects that uh, look very interesting to us that we're likely to back. So stay tuned and we'll be right back with that. Like he said, we are going to do a segment right now that it's going to be every once in a while. This is just current Kickstarters that we've been eyeing up that were, you know, have piqued our interest. 
Um, we started looking and we have about eight or nine starred on our Kickstarter list. But uh, the first one I want to talk about is Epic, the card game. Yeah, this is from White Wizard Games. Um, these are the same guys that brought you Star Realms mm-hmm. um, last year. Uh, this one is a new... Uh, so, so it's kind of similar, but this seems more... It's a constructed deck game rather than a deck building game that right. kind of seems like Magic the Gathering. Well, and they said you can play this one straight out of the box, you mm-hmm. know, or you can do a draft style or you can do... I don't even know what some of the other ones are because, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's set up so like if you have multiple sets, you can do like a sealed draft almost of sorts, which is neat. Or you can just like the, the box has four pre-constructed faction decks built right in there right and or each, you can build uh, well, decks. each one's a different color mm-hmm. so that kind of reminds me of the star realms oh definitely bar like i'm sure each color is going to have like its own specialty and i'm sure or, like, it's gonna, like it'll have you know you know like in star realms where if you play another of this color you can do this and well, like, probably won't have that because like i said this is a constructed format game so it might. You never know. I don't think so. Because remember, like those, like the pre-constructed decks, the basic ones, every card is going to be that color. So there's no way that they're going to chain all those together. Um, this game is currently well over its funding goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like way over its funding goal. But uh, what, is, what is it at now? It, their goal was, what, 50000 and it's at 300 and some thousand now? Mm-hmm. But this one's a pretty cheap one to get. It's not too much at all. Um, what is it? Twenty bucks, I think, for a that's single for deck. one set, and you can get multiple sets. It says for each, you know, each twenty dollars, you can get uh, another set of the cards if you want to do like the draft style. Mm-hmm. For us, we only need one set because we're. I don't think we're gonna need any more than that. No, I don't. I don't see us really diving into the construction constructed part of it too much. Like this will be just something we get as like a filler kind of thing. Well, see, and that's what it was like when I watched the the video and the gameplay and stuff. I immediately thought, oh, this would be perfect, like for in between two real thinky games for us. You know what I mean? This would be like a a cool down game, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it were. Yeah, and this one has a ton of stretch goals that have been unlocked for different promo cards and stuff like that. And there's and still there's a still few more going. to go. <laughs> yeah, so it's um like I said, it looks epic card game looks pretty good. Um and like I said, they have a good pedigree. Uh one of the designers of the game also worked on Ascension. Um which, the original Ascension, which, which we like a one lot of, too. One of my personal faves, because that's one of the first ones that we, you know, got into when we got into the board gaming hobby. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, that's um epic card game. Uh, definitely check that out there. The next one is one that uh, I I had bookmarked, and you know I showed it to Emily just on a whim, not expecting. Well, no, much. what he did is he sends me a text while I'm at work and says, "Here's a link. Look at this during your lunch break." <laughs> so the the game is Thirteen Days, um, a game of the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is for for. Lack of a better description, it's Twilight Imperium, but Twilight Imperium, Twilight, Twilight Struggle, Struggle Light, Light, yeah. So that's it's what you told me. Yeah, it's a two-player um, strategy card game, um, sort of asymmetric in a lot of ways because one side is obviously the U.S., one side is the Soviet Union uh, during the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, it looks. I, I'm interested in this because I've always been interested to check out Twilight Struggle. Um, Emily, I is have less dug interested. my heels in and pushed back and pushed back because I'm just like I don't think I can handle that. But yet, you uh, you said that you found this one interesting. Well, I told you I'm just not I'm not big on games with with like war as their theme. You know what I mean? I'm just not. That's not my thing. I told you, mm. and I, you know, I think part of that's too many family members that have been in the service and sure. all the stories that I've heard. I just have no interest in, in playing stuff like that. But this one actually seems really interesting to me. Like I said, I mean, I don't I'm not a history buff or anything like that. I don't really know much about the Cuban Missile Crisis, but this has actual like event cards from, from, you know, like actual events that happened. It has pictures like on the cards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I might actually learn something playing this game. <laughs> yeah, it's like so this. This one, um, well, and I appreciate it too because it's not it, it is not a war game. Um, like actually, if war breaks out, the game's over. And in right. this one specifically, like if, if your if your country Maybe causes that's war why to break I liked out, it, yeah. there's nothing to do with war. Yeah, if you actually basically in this one, if you start the nuclear war, you actually lose because public opinion is swayed against you because you're the one that uh, 
that basically pulled the trigger and got things going. Twilight Struggle works in a similar way, too, where if if, if nuclear war breaks, breaks out, both sides lose because you're trying to avoid that from happening. It's the delicate balance of, you know, gaining superiority without, you know, going into full, you know, nuclear full war. war. Yeah, so <laughs> um, this one's from Jolly Roger Games. Uh, it is funded. Um, it's about twice its funding goal so some of the stretch goals look like they will be hit as well um but this looks really cool uh it's 30 let's see here 34 dollars uh for a copy um but yeah this it likes a nice like hour-long two-player game um what are you pointing at click the button what button the back the project button you ain't backed it yet oh we'll get i'm not doing that during the show <laughs> So I, th- I think this is one that we will check out, though. And hopefully, I'm I'm hoping that if Emily likes this a lot, that we might actually get to play Twilight Struggle one day. You can't see this, but I'm rolling my eyes. It's the number one game on Board Game Geek, probably for a reason. So we'll check that out. Um, next one he sent me was Carson City, um, the big box. They're bringing it back because it's been out of print for how long? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been out of print for a couple of years now. It's really hard to find. But uh, they decided to bring it back, and it's going to be a big box. And I think it has a couple of expansions. Apparently, it's from what he, the way he described it to me at first, was it's one of the best worker placement games out there. Which well, I've sort of heard. I haven't played it yet either. Obviously, was, I'm all about the worker placement. Yeah, Carson City. Um, it's worker placement. Uh, but it's. Is it like, would you consider area control? I don't think it's area control because no? I think you're just trying to place buildings in areas that um, where you can like chain off of other buildings. Like every, there's different types of buildings you can build in the game that have special abilities, basically. Right. Um, what makes this one where the theme comes through in this one is obviously this takes place in like the Old West. It has cowboy meeples. It does have cowboy meeples. I'm very excited about this. But you can you can place your worker on a space that your opponent has placed their worker on. And basically you have a gunfight to determine who gets to stay. Which who doesn't who gets love a duel? Off. This is awesome. Yeah. And different um, different like. You know, basically you get to choose a. Not a worker, but like um, I'm trying to think of the term here. A character. Sure, every turn that has a that determines when you go in the turn order, but gives you a bonus of some kind. So that kind of harkens to like viticulture and and things of that nature as well. Fresco comes to mind with that too. Um, but yeah, it's Carson City Big Box. This one is seventy five euros to back. Um, if you if you don't have the base game, you can just pledge for the expansions separately as well. Um, I think this one is funded, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this one's well well funded right now. Um, there's lots of stretch goals still to come. Um, basically, they're going to have wooden pieces for every kind of thing that they have in the game because um, normally they're cardboard chits. I think you'll still get the cardboard chits as well anyway. But I've heard lots of good things about Carson City. Um, I was immediately interested in this one when they posted it up. Um, so I'm pretty sure that we're going to back this one as well because um, it looks solid. The last one that we want to talk about, this actually just went up um, today as we're recording this, and it's almost hit our funding goal. Um, a new game from Eagle Griffin and Vitalis Cerda, who designed Kanban and CO2 and Vinos. Uh, this is called The Gallerist, um, which is a worker placement game. Um, typical Vitalis Cerda game. If you've played any of his other games, you kind of know it's you're very limited in the number of actions that you have, but there's ways that you can earn other actions on your turn. Um, you're trying to do five different things to, you know, score points basically and make them all work well with each other. The game looks pretty, really nice. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you would expect a game that is about, uh, you know, having your own art gallery and running an art gallery to look really good. But like I said, this this game does look really cool. Um, and it's it, it, it for us, it's an auto back. Uh, we really like we just love his games, period. Yeah, like he's he's becoming one of our favorite designers. Yeah, we're all we're all like we we own all three of his other designs um, and really like them a lot because they're just like we find them like I find them to be kind of unique, kind of like lot, not a lot of worker placement games are like his games or at least they don't feel like it to me no just because like i said they they really do constrict you with what you can do in the game but it's and it's just about maximizing and being as efficient as possible like in each I said, your it's that thinky stuff that i like mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and like i said this one this one has an interesting theme um you know you're you're basically looking for 
new you artists. You're trying to find and, artists who are like starving in the streets <laughs> and build them up so you can buy their stuff cheap and then sell it high when they get hot. Yep. That's, I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. <laughs> so this one, uh, like I said, it's almost hit its funding goals at the time we're recording this. Probably by the time you're listening to this, it will have funded. Um, but check that one out. looks really good. Um, you can get a copy in the U.S. for $67 shipped, basically, which they said this game is going to weigh like eight pounds and have like <laughs> a ton of stuff in it. Well, so that's not Christ, bad. The board itself is huge. Mm-hmm. It's got little easels for the works of art. I mean, it's got so many little th- little pieces. Yeah, definitely high production value. Eagle Griffin doesn't usually skimp on that too much. It has orange, 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 orange. Yeah, orange player color is always a plus for, for Emily because so few games seem to seem to have that one out of the box. They don't want to embrace the orange. I don't know why. Cool. So, yeah, so like I said, that's, that, those are four games we're likely to be backing on Kickstarter. Um, we'll do this segment every now and again uh, when, when our starred project list gets full yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and we'll have some more recommendations for you as we go uh but coming up next our top 10 two-player only games Then we're back uh, to get into our top 10 two-player specific games. Um, now, these are games that are specifically designed with two players in mind. And since we are tabletop for two, it seems an apt subject. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, these are cool because so often we get the uh, short end of the stick sometimes because a lot of games are designed for three or four specifically, so they shoehorn in these terrible two-player variants, which is something else we'll do on yeah. a future episode one day. <laughs> Um, but like I said, these are ones the designer said, nope, this is going to work for two players and we're going to make it work that way. Uh, and these are the ones that like to strike our fancy the most. So we will get right started with number 10, which and, is eminent domain microcosm. Yeah. So this is a newer game. Um, just got shipped from the Kickstarter like um, a month ago. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. From TMG, we've been playing it for quite a while because we got the print and play. (laughs) Yes, and uh, we actually reviewed this a couple episodes ago, um, so we're not going to dive too deeply into how the gameplay works. It's a it's a two player um, card card drafting game, tableau building game. Takes about what 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't take long at all. Um, But basically, the cards that you draft also each have specific scoring conditions on them as well. Um, and by the time the game's over, you'll have drafted nine cards and you're just trying to build your empire in the most efficient way to take advantage of those cards. So mm-hmm. great little filler. Um, highly recommend checking it out. It, if you, Especially if you like Eminent Domain but just want a lighter, quicker experience that kind of feels the same. Um, Eminent Domain Microcosm certainly takes care of that. Um, next on our list, number nine is Mr. Jack. Yes, the two-player deduction game. Which is, of course, starring Jack the Ripper, which is a favorite subject of mine um basically one person is jack the ripper one person's the constable trying to find him and uh you kind of have to move around one another um well you're not moving around one another there's eight characters that are on the board and um each character has a special ability one of the characters is jack the ripper obviously his identity is known to jack and and the detective doesn't know he's trying to deduce who it is um, so basically each turn, four of the characters are available to use. Um, and then you take turns selecting them and, and using them and using their special ability that usually involves manipulating the movements of other characters or, or things of that nature. The goal that you're trying to do is you're trying to get characters positioned next to or not next to streetlights that are on the board because at the end of each round, um, Jack the Ripper has to denote whether or not he, he can be seen by another character and therefore allows the detective to eliminate suspects that could be Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack can win if he survives the eight rounds the game lasts or Or if he can escape or if the detective guessed wrong. Like as the detective, you have to make sure because if you guess the Ripper's identity and you're incorrect, then you will, you will lose the game. This one's good. Um, Like I said, again, this plays relatively quick as well. Probably about half an hour it can take. Um, the the back and forth is interesting. Um, the player playing Jack actually gets to have a lot of fun in this one because a lot of times you're trying to move erratically with one character to sucker the detective into thinking that that might be who the Ripper is and getting and you know basically creating a red herring for him. Brad suckers me every time. I try to. 
Like I said, I but I still have never been able to sneak off the board. Usually, nope. usually when I win with Jack, it's just by running around for yep. <laughs> for all eight rounds. I never let you sneak off. I will one day. <laughs> I will because because the thing with that is that you better not. Well, <laughs> Mr. Jack, because the thing with that is that Jack the Ripper can only leave the map if he was not seen on the previous turn. So like if he has to, not only you have to keep him away from the other characters, but do it in such a way that doesn't draw suspicion. To yourself as well. Which is more difficult than it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has an extension that's out for it that we have as well that we actually haven't played with yet um, that adds four new characters into the mix. You still only use eight characters in any given game. You know what that means? Hmm. It means it's time to make another list of stuff we have to get to the table. That's true. So, But this one's a solid deduction game. Um, works really well with two. And it's not quite as heavy as something like Letters, Letters from, from Whitechapel, White which, which, which takes considerably good. longer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Mr. Jack. Um, Number eight on our list is Star Realms, which we actually got like a hard copy of and we're playing. But I got to tell you, the points cards and keeping track of that was really fiddly. So we actually both ended up downloading it on our tablets. And I remember last year, I think he was on a, a work trip and, you know, he's in anaheim and i'm here in baltimore and we were playing star realms <laughs> mm-hmm. it was quite fun yeah so star realms is we talked we mentioned earlier because it's from white wizard it was the first game they put out um where it is a deck building game very similar to ascension where you have a line of cards that you can draft cards that you can purchase cards from um the difference being in this game, you don't actually have like creatures. You put out ships and you're attacking your opponent directly. And instead of like constructs, you have planets and things that you can put out. Well, you to protect yourself, and right, and right, stuff right, like right. That. So, like Emily said, worlds we, rather. Yeah, we we started playing this hard copy and it was it was fun. Um, but like she said, the keeping the track of the life totals with the cards is quite fiddly. And then like when you get when like this card says okay, you play another this card, so you get plus five of this and that. Oh my god! Sometimes yeah, the, the accounting was the difficult math gets to a do. Little, when you when you get a really good like combo tastic turn, the math gets really bad really fast. <laughs> yeah. So like the the app makes this game so much easier to play. Yeah. Um. That's that's the preferred way. Like I don't even want to play the hard copy. No, anymore. I can't, I can't anymore. <laughs> like I prefer to just play it on there and yeah and like i said it's really nice like i love the fact that so many companies are coming out with mobile versions of the game so when you are out of town we can still play games together mm-hmm. yeah yeah. but so but star realms is very good this is one of those ones where they shoehorn in some three and four player variants for the game as well um but just the core basic set the 15 dollar box that you buy that can only support two players so that's why uh that makes our list but yeah star realms definitely a solid uh deck building choice uh, number seven on our list is Yomi, which we actually played last night, and I got whacked. You did. <laughs> this game vexes you constantly, doesn't it? I I chalk it up to you playing so much Street Fighter. It's probably true. So so Yomi is developed by Serlin Games. Da- yeah, by David Serlin. Um, so it is a it is a card game that simulates a two D fighting game, basically. Um, but the core mechanic is a rock, paper, scissors mechanic where on your turn, you're going to put down a card and that card's either going to be an attack, a throw or a block or dodge. And depending on what your opponent picks will determine who's successful. So if you both attack or if, if you know, if you throw and your opponent attacks, he will win. Um, if they decide to block and you throw, then you'll win. Obviously, blocks and dodges will beat attacks. Um, and then from there, if you land a successful attack, you can then play multiple cards out of your hand to, to do a combo and you're doing damage to your opponent. Um, you each start with a specific life total that's pertaining to your character and your the goal is to get your character down to zero life. I'm infatuated by this one because the game is so well balanced. Um, there's 10 different characters in the game. There's actually a second edition that's come out that has 10 more bringing the total count to 20 oh my characters. God, really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it's, it just works really, it's very balanced. Um, it really does simulate that 2D fighting game. And the reason that I prefer this to something like Devastation of Indines is because this is a lot simpler. It's a little bit more streamlined. And I'll actually play this. Well, that, that too. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's helpful as well. Devastation of Indines is, is definitely a more fleshed out strategy game. Um, just, but this one. I didn't one, like it. I didn't like it. Well, there's too much going on, I think. And, and it, I think this one simulates the minutiae of. Okay, that look, fighting game a little bit more than devastation. When was. I actually played video games and I played fighting games, I was a button masher. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not one. I'm not like you need to learn all the moves. 
That's why I think I like Yomi a little better than the other one. Yeah, and this because like once you understand the core concepts in Yomi, like you can literally pull out any deck and I can button mash kind Yomi, of found, kind of fiddle through it. Well, yeah. not well apparently because like I said I actually kick your butt every time. Shut up. But yeah, Yomi's solid, and this one's neat because if you want to, you can buy the whole set basically and get all the cards, or they sell. Um, in, like isn't it two packs together yeah they sell basically character decks where you can buy two character decks together if you just want to get a sense for the gameplay for a lot cheaper so I still like my boy Argagarg. yeah well you play him in puzzle strike you like him in this too so but yeah yomi's yomi is a great choice um especially if you have someone that you can play with on a consistent basis because it it helps to and have actually meta this is up. one that i remember when we first got it we played it a couple times and i was just like no and then he just kept going on and on and on about it. I was like, fine, I'll play one more time. And that one more time that we played, I actually kicked his booty pretty bad. And I was like, okay, I get it now. But apparently I don't get it good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so number six was one that I fought to get put on the list despite Emily's objective. You did not fight I was to anticipating get it on the having list. to fight. No, you didn't fight to get it on the list. You just got it knocked down a few numbers from where you wanted it. Yeah, if, th- if this was if this was Brad's personal two player game list, this game would have been number one. Um, but because Emily does not like it, no, not one bit. We have to make it lower. That's Android Netrunner um, from Fantasy Flight Games. To me, the best two player like trading card game, collectible card game, what have you, living card game that's out on the market right now. Um, just the you know, the asynchronous play, um, the different strategies that you can employ, the different decks that you can build. Really interesting. Um, even just having the core set gives you a lot of gameplay from this one. Um, again, works best if you have a consistent gaming partner to play this with. Um, but just a great game, great design. Um, I really miss playing it. But like I said, I got a year and a half of really good times out of this game. Um, Android Netrunner. Any thoughts positive? positively about it um i said i don't discount that it's a great two-player game i personally just didn't like it i like i understood the runner side mm. but the corporation side just vexed me no matter what i did seemed like no matter what i did i just couldn't get it yeah the, yeah playing playing the corporation is interesting because all of your cards are played face down and revealing and having them, to timings. play different kinds of ice and and yeah i just it was not good for me. Yeah, it's very, it's slice it. It's a, the, the corpse side Attack, of that game I'm is great. definitely. Defense, not so much. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a tricky thing to get a hang of. But man, once you do, it's so much fun to play as the corp against the runner. So, but Android Netrunner, um, I recommend at least taking a look at it at some point uh, because it's really solid. Uh, number five on our list is Battle Lore. Second edition Battle Lore specifically. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Anyway, um, this is one. Brad got, I don't even know, was it on a whim? You're just like, hey, let's try this. I figured you'd like it. And with a Command and Colors game, mm-hmm. and he's like, hmm, let's see how it works. Well, the first time we played it, I kicked his butt pretty bad. He's like, okay, I guess she understands how to play these kind of games. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've played it five or six times, and we love it more and more every time we play it. Yep. Um, like Emily mentioned, it's a command and colors game. So you have your army of troops. Um, there's different objective points on the board that you're trying to and capture. And there are predetermined, like, predetermined scenarios, determined scenarios yeah. and you can have, you can make your own army or there are pre mustered armies within the game itself. Well, that's what I like too, is the, so like, you know, you can build your own troops up. You can customize which units are available, uh, for your troop. And you can also, the, the way that you deploy your units to the board is pretty, pretty clever um yeah i have, like it a lot yeah you have these small cards like the, your scenario card will show you the available areas that you can deploy in but half the cards are your actual unit cards and half of them are these decoy cards that you put on the board mm-hmm. so that you can't tell where each other's troops are setting up basically um i enjoy the tactical decisions that this one gives um you know each unit has some special abilities that go along with it that reward um proper positioning on the board and you know, things like that. There's also different terrain that affects combat as well, which is really good. Um, yeah, Battle Wars 2nd Edition, it's a solid game. Um, there's even kind of an unlimited replay value to it because Fantasy Flight has a scenario creator on their website that you can actually make your own 
uh, scenarios and add variety to the gameplay that way as well. Plus, they just are getting ready to put out a butt ton. Of, oh, they 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 started already. Yeah, they have they have new units in the game and things, which I'm sure we'll be getting into soon enough. Yeah, so an excellent. Um, I I, I would recommend this one over some you know s- similar games like memoir 44 um just because i think the theme's a little more interesting here and also Plus this the has the miniatures lore deck. are awesome mm-hmm. i love the miniatures yeah this the, the, the types of miniatures that make me wish that uh that we painted but oh i can paint uh no i don't think you want to spend the time and money and i got a brother that paints doing all that but uh, I think the thing that sets this one apart from like a memoir 44 is the lore deck lore, the lore deck or, you know, powerful spells that you can gain that affect the gameplay in a variety of different ways. And that's that's where the I think the variety comes in, because those are those can swing the tide of the battle um, quite dramatically in either direction when you play your cards correctly. So battle or second edition, um, definitely give that a look if you're looking for like a tactical game that you can play with each other. Uh, number four on the list is Pinata. This is one. Well, that- the, so this is a retheme of an older game called Balloon Cup that many people may have heard of as well. Uh, this one, Brad actually played. He was down at our local game store, Canton Games, um, and he was—I think it was Netrunner night—and he was waiting for some guys to get there so they could get started playing. And him and the owner Dan were like. Uh, trying to figure out something to do and he says oh here try this try pinata so brad tried it and he's like hmm emily might like this and said next thing i know here's a rise on our doorstep and he's like here let's try this out mm-hmm. love this little game yeah like it's it's a it's a cool little so basically there's little pinatas on the board and the pinatas have candy and it's a set collection game at, the, at its core because you're trying to get certain numbers of of the five different colors of candy because there are these metal cards. Well, there's first of all, there's four pinatas on the board, one, two, three, and four. And depend and uh, they have an upside and a downside. So basically you either have to have the most of that color or you have to have the most number of cards and then the least number of cards, right? Highest value. Right. And least value. So, but essentially you're trying to play cards out of your hand to match the requirement on the pinata and the player who fulfills that requirement gets the candy off of the pinata. And once you've collected like a certain amount of purples, you get the purple victory card. You're trying to get three victory cards over your opponent where this one is. I finally won the last time we played. I think you've won more than once. No, pretty sure you have. No, where this one's interesting is that you can actually play cards on your opponent's side of the table as well to ruin their plans. So like if um if the piñata that you're playing on requires you to have the higher valued number of cards to claim the candy, um you can play cards on your opponent's side that are low valued in order to ensure that they cannot get the uh the candy off the piñata. And since we like to play thing cut cutthroat, uh this is right up our alley. Mm-hmm. So, you know, great uh don't don't be fooled by the theme on the box uh really solid uh little strategy game there so pinata um great little game to check out for sure number three on our list is lost cities this is one that's been around for quite a while Mm. um and we picked it up in a trade i think didn't we trade or an auction i don't remember which and uh he's like okay let's try this out all right cool first the first couple of times i think we played the math wrong didn't we 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 did the scoring the scoring so it's a reiner canizia game so the scoring is going to be convoluted and very mathy much math yeah but uh so this is a would you call it a set collection game i guess it's sort of a set collection game yeah because you're trying to oh excuse me you're trying to collect you know those sets of cards and and get the most points but uh, yeah, you're, you're so basically you're going on expeditions and each five different colors, five different colors. And each color has cards valued one through ten and also three um, I guess patronage cards. I call them the handshake cards. Yeah. And, and what you're doing is you're playing cards down to each expedition, which represents the the value of the expedition. But each expedition also has a cost. So at the end of the game, you're going to add up all the cards that you played for each color and subtract 20 points from that to represent the the cost of the expedition so obviously unless you score 20 or more points in in each one it's not worth playing the cards down and that's where the strategy comes in because you don't you can't just play all five colors you kind of have to pick and choose Mm -hmm. 
you know, depending on what comes in your hand, what comes out on the board. Well, and the other thing that's great is that in the game, on each of your turns, you have to play a card and, and then you draw card. a card. No, you, you, oh, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you play the card first, then you draw a card. But if you don't want to play a card into any of your expedition slots because you might not be the right time to do it or you just might not want to pursue that expedition, you have to play it to the middle of the board where your opponent can then draw it on their turn if you want to. So sometimes you play a card that... You're like, oh, okay, I don't think, you know, Emily needs this. And then she snatches it up right away and you're like, crap, <laughs> on, the, on the following turn. So you have to be really careful about what cards um, get played to the middle. And also be careful what cards you're playing to your side of the side of the board as well. Because, again, nothing's worse than, you know, starting an expedition and then, And you know, then later somebody on. else gets all the cards and you're like, crap. Yeah, and then, so you're taking a big minus on that, on mm-hmm. that one right there. So it's a great game. Plays nice and fast. Um, we've played this one. Geez, probably as much as any other game no, in our collection. I, since I dare say it. we played this one at least thirty times, probably more. It's possible we played it more because, like I said, it plays so quickly, and it's and just like I said, a and great sometimes we'll do this one is you know it'll get to the point where we play one. He's like, oh, let's play again, and then if we each win one, he's like, all right, we got to do a rubber match. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is Lost Cities. Uh, just got reprinted actually too. So uh, there's a new edition out there that you can check out if you haven't seen this game yet. Number two on our list, we actually just played last night, and that is Patchwork. Yes, Uwe Rosenberg. Finally a game of his that we enjoy. Yeah, this Patchwork is a really good um, two-player. Uh, you're basically building a quilt. You're, there's different, like, Tetris pieces. Tetris pieces, yeah, yes. that are on the table that you, uh, that you, you have, have a selection of to fit together, and you have to fit them together in such a way that you cover as much of your, of your quilt board as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the goal of the game is you're trying to get buttons, which is both a blessing and a curse because you have to spend buttons to acquire these tiles as well. But some of the tiles have buttons on them, and when you put them on your quilt, there's predetermined spaces on this um, time track, basically, that give you button income from all the ones that are on your quilt, basically. So you, you still want to you know, get those tiles. But at the same time, you know, you get to these decision points in the game where you're like, man, I really want this tile for the income, but this tile covers up so much more space on my mm-hmm. on my quilt, but it's really expensive too. So you have to kind of weigh those things out. Um, but like Emily said, covering it is super important because at the end of the game, you actually lose two, two points, points for, for each space yeah. that you have left open on your quilt. So and throughout periodically throughout the on the um the time track board there are little patches that are little one squares to help fill in any gaps but you must use them as soon as you get them mm-hmm. so yeah th- and and for for a small game like this a game that only takes 20 minutes to play that looks very unassuming when you open the box this game is really brutal the first couple times you play it yeah i don't think we got out of the negatives the first couple times did we uh i think the first the but the first game we played we both scored in the negative i think we've gotten much better since yeah. then um but man it's 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 one of those games that you can't be discouraged the first couple times you play because you have to kind of just learn the right you know pieces to buy and and you know how to piece them together on your quilt properly to fill in the most space but man just a just a really good um, two-player exercise there that's patchwork um if you can find this i think it's out of print right now but it's a really solid game that i'd recommend checking out and finally number one on our list is jaipur which we affectionately call camel you affectionately call camel <laughs> oh you call it camel too don't deny it yeah jaipur is a really really fun um set collection game that has you know little poker chip token things yeah, so you're you're basically selling goods at a market, and on your turn, you can either buy or sell. There's a line of five cards that are available to purchase every turn, and you can either take one, or if you can take multiple cards, but you have to exchange cards out of your hand. Or, or if the you camels. have camel cards, you can exchange the yeah, camel you can exchange cards. those as well. And the the whole point of getting some of these cards is that the there's different types of goods in the game. Some are more valuable than others, but for most of the goods the first time the good is sold it's going to be worth a lot of points but as the good gets sold more and more throughout the game the value is going to diminish so you have to sometimes weigh out you know do i want to sell a lot of this good at once and maybe lose some points or is it worth it to you know sell one or two to take those really high value tiles from my opponent 
The reason why you might want to hoard them, though, is because whenever you sell three or more at a time of a specific type of good, you get, you get a, a bonus. bonus. Chip. Yeah, and those bonus tiles are your path to victory. You can't win unless you're collecting a bunch of those. Um, just a just amazingly good game. Um, this one we've played a lot as well since we got it. Oh, we played the crap out of this game. Yeah, it's it's highly replayable. Did we bring this one to the hospital with us? I think so. Yeah, when we had when we had our son. Um, this was one of the games that we brought with us to play at the hospital. Um, just an amazing little, like I said, it's a it's a thirty minute game. Um, you know, each round only takes about ten minutes, but just a lot of great decisions in the game. Um, you know, you really have to play the other person. You have to pay attention to the cards that they're picking up. Mm-hmm. You know, play your you know sell your cards at the optimal time. Um, also, the players have direct control over when the round ends because the round will end when three goods have been completely sold through. So if you know your opponent's about to cash in for a big score, you can quickly try to sell a bunch of smaller goods to try and you know make the round end before they can get those cards out of their hand. Um, Jaipur is just a really, really, really good game. Um, it could be had for, I think, less than 20 bucks at this point. So if you you know if you're two players, get to play two players frequently highly recommend having this in our in your collection um mm-hmm. it's our favorite two-player only game mm-hmm. by far like the, it wasn't even a question when we uh when we made the list and so said, last night we're one. sitting there we're talking about this list and he's like okay so here's the top three i said no number one's jaipur he's like okay i agree i, agree. <laughs> I can't argue with you <laughs> yes that one definitely uh definitely very very good to check out so and that's our top 10 so mm-hmm. uh you know hopefully you found some good recommendations in there um, you know, definitely encourage you to check out all those games because you know, for two players, they're you know, about as good as it gets. So, and that's uh, that's our show for this week. So, thanks again for listening. Um, just a reminder again, make sure to check out all the other shows on the Nerpocalypse Studios Network. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the show as well. If you leave us a five star review, we'll read it on the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so again, thanks for checking it out. Anything you have to say before we sign off? Um, Happy gaming out there. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.